Judy Sharp with us this morning, this afternoon it is, for Gardening Talk Back. Scott, well, he does have a birthday tomorrow, doesn't he? Is that why he's taking a day off, Judy? Aren't oh, no, I generous, Jane? You... I've let him have two days off. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, so we're going right to the source for all the good info about the uh, about your garden. So you can, of course, give us a call if you've got a question to put to Judy, 49216216. And what are we going to be talking about today, Judy? Well, Jane, stink bugs are a real problem, or citrus bugs. Uh, the gardenias are a problem. And lawns, uh, maybe the gentleman could have a little bit of advice about what to do with their lawns at this time of year. And we also have a plant we do to give away, a special a, prize. A lovely, lovely red poinsettia. What else? It's Christmas time. Gardening talk back on to NURFM this afternoon, 16 past 12. We're looking for your questions, and 49216216 is the number that you should call to get your questions answered by Judy Sharp today. And Ursula's rung in from Carrington. Now, Ursula's got a problem with furry grubs. Would you like to tell Judy about that, Ursula? Oh, yes, thank you. Um, hi, Judy. Um, yes, I was at my friend's place on the weekend, and... Um, there's a quite a large tree which I'm unfamiliar with, but uh, she has a, 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 an enormous amount of these grubs. They're furry grubs, like witchetty grubs, sort of things that move, and they're right. actually out in the back area and they're moving into the house. Right and now, are they white grubs, looking... Ursula? No, they're, they're not. Black. So they're not witchetty-like grubs. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Now yes, tell me, brown and furry. yeah. Now you don't know the name of that tree, do you, Ursula? I don't, but I was I was just thinking actually while I was waiting, um, it might be an idea to bring in a piece of the tree. It's quite tall, but I'm sure there's some droppings on the ground. Um, they just seem to be everywhere, and and they attacked the spinach while they were young, but now they've left the spinach alone and it's grown, but. They're just going into the house, like just crawling through the, up the stairs, into the house, into the kitchen, into the bathroom. Um, and I was just looking at some sort of solution or right, okay. it be natural or something. Or okay. Well, let's look at a couple of um, situations here. I'm guessing it might be a white cedar tree because they're very oh. prone to these furry grubs. Now, if it had a little mauvey purple flower on it uh, before it got its leaves, it would be white cedar. And, oh, uh, yes. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Now, what, yes. what she needs to do is use a contact spray, something like right. Malathon. So, Malathon, okay. And unfortunately, those grubs tend to go down into the soil because they love that particular tree, and up they come again um, next year at the same time. So she probably needs to drench the soil a little bit too, but I would suggest she tries Malathon. Uh, now Malathon. She, pro- Malathon. she probably yep. can't use that inside the house, uh, so maybe even fly spray inside the house might do the job to get rid of them. And right. uh, okay. that that's, that's probably the very simple solution, but she certainly right. can bring some leaves over to the nursery and let me have a look at them. But look, uh, around uh, streets around the nursery, only recently in the tree planting um, time, the council decided they were going to put white cedars in. And right. I have to say on air that we did ring and kind of mention the furry grubs. Oh, no, these are a new variety. But I can tell you I've got a lot of leafless trees around that nursery. 
So, yeah, um, they I'm, do send deeper leaves. There like you go. Quite I, yeah. I think that's what you've got, Ursula. So thank you for the call and try the Malathon. That sounds like good advice. It's, the grubs are being too effective on those trees, Judy. Mm, yes. This is Gardening Talkback 49216216 for your calls and your questions. And Michael's rung in from Adamstown Heights with a question about birches. Oh, hello, Michael. Birches. Hi, Judy. Judy, just a couple of questions. I've got some silver birches. Um, yes. The, the leaves um, on some of them are yellowing a bit. Yes. Just wondered if you would be able to tell me what um, would be causing that. And the other thing is, I've got them, I bought them dry, um, bare-rooted. Bare-rooted, and, yes. And put them into big pots. Right. Um, and I'm sort of... Um, getting ready to put them into the ground. Right. And I read that um, the recommended distance apart is two metres, but if they're 1.5 metres apart, they won't grow as tall. Is, would that be true? Uh, Michael, That's uh, they're not a very wide tree, as you know, and for the other mm. listeners out there, silver birches are beautiful deciduous trees that mm. grow very well in the colder climates. Uh, and bare-rooted actually means Michael bought them uh, while they were virtually dead. Uh, yeah. And when they're bare-rooted, you really have to keep the water up to them after that or you will get drying out, particularly if they're still in pots, Michael. Uh, I had two silver birches when we lived at Whitebridge and I honestly had them fairly close to the house so they weren't prone to the wind because the wind will dry them out Uh, and I now have to put the hard word on you and say are you watering them in those pots every day Michael you are and on the really hot days twice a day I'm keeping them watered. Okay, I just, right. And yeah. I wondered if I'm actually watering too much and if that's causing the, no, the leaves to yellow. No, I don't think so. Look, have you fed them at all with something like flourish? No. Maybe. I was actually, that's, I, was, I had forgotten to ask you what what I should actually be feeding them with. Yeah. Look, I'd just simply give them some flourish in their water. You don't want to give them anything stronger in a pot. Once they're in the ground and they've been settled in, then you could give them a little bit of cow manure. Uh, The the distance apart I don't think is relevant. I I don't think you need worry about that because here in Newcastle they're not going to get to their full size. What height do you reckon they would get to? Oh, look, uh, height or width? Well, the height thing, I'm actually not wanting them to go up above the level of the house. It's a, a double-storey house and we've got an embankment, so... No, I don't, I'm sure they... they down a bit, but I, I, I want to try and avoid, because they're deciduous, I want to try and avoid ending up with gutters full of um Yeah, gutters leaves. full of leaves. And Look, I'm, 25. I'm pretty sure you'll be fine. I don't think they'll go higher than the house here in Newcastle. And on 2NURFM, this is Gardening Talkback. And uh, we're taking your calls, 49216216. And Greg is on the line from Maryland's. How you going, Judy? Hi, Greg. What kind of problem have you got today? Uh, well, my daughter put some um, strawberries in there. They get the flower on them, uh, the fruit starts, and then the fruit just dies. Fine, okay. Uh, are you seeing anything around? Do you know any grubs or any snails? No, there's, there's nothing around. It's just the whole piece itself. They're just dying just uh, on, the, on the stem itself. Oh, I see. Right, okay. Now tell me, Greg, you're out at Maryland. It's fairly hot out there. Yep. Uh, do you think she's giving them enough water? Yeah, we, we water them 
uh, every day. Every day. Yeah, now, I usually do them for more. They get, they get, um, well, they've still got the sun there now, but once the sun, another hour, they'll be in the shade for the afternoon. So they get most of the, most of the sun during the day. Right, that's and then good. And shade in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, look, have you thought of putting sugar cane around them so the fruit's lifted up off the soil? Well, they're, they're all off the soil. Oh, they're, okay. They're, right they're, here. They're all, they're, they're, none of them are on the soil. They're coming out. I'm getting a lot of flowers. With it, and they just start the, start the fruit, and then they, they just all start dying. Well, you know what I think we need to do? I think we need to investigate that that could be caused by a fungal disease. Yep. Uh, so perhaps um, if you just use something like mancozeb and watered it over them and through the soil as well, and then you will have to watch the withhold there, Greg. You can't eat them straight away. Is that all yep. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you haven't got any strawberries no, on well, there anyway, right. so... <laughs> We may as well do this. Uh, and any further problems, do give us a ring again next week if that isn't working. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Greg, for ringing. And Mary has rung in from Anna Bay on Gardening Talkback. Hello, Mary. Hello. Um, I just have a, a question. I have a hydrangea, and it was blue when I moved to Anna Bay to live. It's now pink, and I haven't done anything to it. <laughs> And it's got a flower on it as big as a dinner plate. Oh, well done, Mary. Look, did you hear me smiling then? Or uh, when you said Anna Bay, I knew straight away uh, Anna Bay's a bit sandy, isn't it? It is. It's very sandy where I am. And that means your soil is probably alkaline, my darling. Oh, yeah. And uh, to keep them blue, they, the soil needs to be acidic. So it's just, you know... Uh, obeyed what the pH in your soil has told it to do and that is to change colour. Now what you need to do Mary if you want it to be blue again uh, when July comes next year you start to give it a bluing agent and fertilise it with cow manure because that has a lot of iron in it. Oh, okay. But well done on the size of it. That's beautiful. I, you know, I get so many remarks from the neighbours, you know, why it's so big. Well, maybe you don't want to change its colour. Well, I don't mind the pink. No, not when you've got dinner plates out there. My goodness gracious <laughs> me, darling. Uh, but, yes, it honestly is just the pH in your soil. Okay. Thank you for ringing, Mary. Thank you. And it is amazing. I think um, hydrangeas are one of those really amazing plants oh, because it's that pink and blue dichotomy. Yes, <laughs> isn't it? Depending and on then, the of course, the white's very popular too. What you know, kind of soil do they like? They don't change colour, Jane. Oh. That's why they're very popular. <laughs> Fair enough, Judy. Okay, a question now from Sue, who's rung in from Lambton. Hi, Judy and Jane. Um, I was just inquiring, last week I think I heard something on the radio um, on the gardening show last Monday about roses and I've got quite a few roses and they have just been just a disappointment for um, a while now and what I heard made sense last week and I just thought I'd ring and double check if if I heard correctly is that if they get some overspray from zero, um, you know, near paths nearby and whatever, that can affect them and make their leaves small and they don't bloom? Sue, that was Scott, I'm sure. And the reason he brought that up, because uh, I went out to my row of standard roses and uh, unfortunately 
one of them had stunted growth. And I remembered I had a little bit of um, nut grass around it, which was sprayed with zero. So I dug it out and I took it down to the nursery and showed all the staff and showed the customers that they're very susceptible to drift from, it is glyphosate, the name of the chemical, but you could probably know it as Roundup Zero. um, And uh, it what happened, even though it didn't go on the growth of my rose, uh, mm. the weed was close to the stem, so yep. that weed's roots would have been entangled with the yeah. rose's roots, you see. Yeah. Uh, yep. So it was bad luck. I lost a rose. A new one's going in as we speak. Um, uh, but I think if you've got stunted growth and the leaves are all curled up, did you spray some zero around? Well, I have a very... Um Diligent husband oh. with a spray thing, pumpy spray thing in his hand often, um, near concrete paths near them and things like that. Oh, well, you know, diligent rhymes with divorce. D well, for diligent, D for divorce. Yes. He's like a naughty thinking, boy. But, um, Anyway, so and I and, and the leaves have all seemed to have gone quite. I had a situation where they were curling up, and I and so I would then put um, thought didn't think about overspray, you know, or anything like that of zero. So I put some white oil on it, and that seemed to fix it. But I always seem to get this curly up thing, and now I've noticed that the leaves are all quite small and not like the normal size. And lack of flowers, like over the years I've put massive amount of um, stuff in the soil and potash and, and who knows what. Sue, the bad news is it's prob- nothing is probably going to fix it. Many yeah. years ago, Swain's Roses in Sydney, one of their staff, unfortunately, and I don't know whether he got divorced or not, but anyway. Well, he probably got killed if he was working at Swain's, <laughs> anyway. I think he didn't actually spray zero, but he used a container that had been used for zero, and oh. a lot of men, they don't rinse the container out with warm, soapy water. So okay. what happens, the plastic actually absorbs the chemical and it builds up in that container. Now, uh, Sue, before you go pulling them out, could you do yeah. something for me? Yeah, cool. Would you bring in some cuttings to the nursery and let me have yeah. a look, dear? That's the best yeah. way to go. Are okay. You there most, uh, are you there tomorrow? Yes, I am there tomorrow, okay, definitely. Right. I'll do that because, um, yeah, I know I'm sort of getting myself prepared for the fact that they're going to be pulled out. And can you plant roses now? Because I've always done them in July. No, you can, um, Sue. You can, definitely. And when you come in tomorrow, because, you know, we run out of time a little bit on air, I'll have a really good talk to you about it. Is that okay? Thank you so much. Thank Thank you, Sue. A question from Stephen, and it sounds like an interesting one. Stephen, you've rung in from Wyong. Hi, Stephen. What is this interesting problem? Well, I've just had two gum trees taken out in my front yard and I want to replace them with another couple of shady trees. And I wonder if you had a suggestion that would work in the front of my house that wouldn't affect the foundations or whatever. Stephen, are you looking for something perhaps that is deciduous? Probably, yes. So that you get the sun in in the winter and the shade in the summer? Yes, I need something that's going to be really shady. Okay, fine. Well, pondongs, but I don't think they're going to actually... Give me the shade I need. Right, okay. Look, I think golden rubinias are a beautiful tree. They're not too large, but they're very prunable. Do you know golden rubinia? Yes. 
right? And the other one I think is lovely is sapium. Sapium. If you write these down, I know you could probably go to your local garden centre down there and have a look. And the other one I would recommend, which is one of my favourite, are crab apples. Now, all of those are smaller deciduous trees. Uh, sapium and golden rubinia being a little bit larger than a crab apple. What about the time they grow? Are they something that's going to grow fairly fast? Ah, that's not a problem because golden rubinias are grafted and crab apples are slow, <laughs> slower, and sapiums are fairly quick. Okay. Okay. With golden rubinia, what about uh, like suckers and that sort of thing coming up in the lawn? Ah, okay. That's a regular question. But, Stephen, you uh, have a lawn out the front there, don't you? And yes. I'm presuming you're a good lawn grower and you're watering it regularly. Reasonably. Right. Now, trees that sucker do so because they're thirsty and they want to prolong their life. And I find that happens uh, in, you know, say in garden situations that where they're not getting as much water. But opposite the nursery, we have a villa. Not, I don't have a villa. A young man lives there. And he has a very small front yard. And in it, there are two golden rubinias, but they are in his lawn. And he waters that lawn all the time. So that waters the rubinias, and that means they're not thirsty and they're not looking for, you know, for water. And that's why they sucker when they're looking for water. Ah, right. Okie doke. All right. I have heard of a golden rain tree. Is that in anything like that? Ah, Kultrinia. Very slow, dear. Very slow. Oh, okay. No, I want something fast. Okay. Thank you, Stephen, for the call. Good question. And uh, Bob has rung in from Wall's End. Now, you've got a comment on the hairy grubs we talked about earlier. Ah, good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right, love. Um, Mainly we've got a uh, camphor laurel, apple gums and um, the myrtle, and we get the grubs on them. Uh, And what I've been using is a a systemic... um, insect killer and spraying the stem and the leaves and I find over a period of time it doesn't happen instantly but if you do it regularly eventually the grubs will just drop off because they eat the leaves with the poison in Bob yes, yeah. yes. You, I, I nearly suggested that to the lady from Carrington uh, but um, you know we were a bit at a loss because they were going inside the house as well and it's very yeah. hard to spray a systemic spray around like that uh, that's, because that's what, right. you're, what you're talking about is Olroga, uh, which has now been changed to insect and mite killer. Right, yes. And that will do the job. And, of course, I should mention at this time that you can no longer spray that on anything that's edible, but certainly uh, on those kind of trees you can. But it would have been insect and mite killer. And, Bob, you hold on to that because it's very precious. Make sure you've got it because one day they'll probably take it away from us. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The only other thing I wanted to ask you, also in the um, uh, other tree up the back, uh, it gets these cobwebs and leaves. They stick all the the leaves together and they're full of grubs, but they're a different grub. 
Camp for Laurel. Camp for Laurel. Oh, the Camp for Laurel. Look, you're, you're very lucky you're not speaking to Scott Sharp today. He <laughs> has a solution for Camp for Laurel. You've heard him rave badly about jacarandas, haven't yeah. you? Right. Yeah. Well, his solution for a Camp for Laurel is his chainsaw. And I absolutely love them. Bob, I would spray that Camp for Laurel with that insect and might killer. Right. Okie dokie, and that yeah. should do the same job for you, but you'll probably need to follow it up with a 10-day spray on. Yeah, that's what I've found yes. with the other trees. Yes. You've got to follow it up. Yes. Now, it sounds like you're a keen gardener, Bob, and I really want to thank you for ringing us with that info today. 18 to 1, this is Gardening Talkback, 49216216. For your questions, comments, contributions, etc., Joe has rung in from Cessnock about her rose, which was hit with zero and had some problems. She says she just kept pruning it and it's growing as normal now. Judy's saying there's something else perhaps that uh, might help with that as well. Yes, unfortunately, when Sue rang, you you know, we run out of time, don't we there, Jane? Uh, You can keep the water up to them and leach it out of the soil. You know, when this happens to you, try every method, whether it's pruning back, leaching it by water, 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 water. That may help. It depends how quickly you realise it's been done, of course. And unfortunately, Sue, it sounded like her husband was regularly spraying that path, so it probably was a lot of overkill. But thank you very much for ringing in. We always like that little bit of input, don't we, We Jane? We certainly do. And 49216216, Steve from Morpeth to Tomatoes. Oh, they're great when you can harvest them. Have you got problems? Uh, yes, the leaves are all going wrinkly and the main stem is going brown, as if the um, the plant is about to die. Oh, Steve, that's a bit tragic, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, it's not only one, it's a half a dozen of them, and I, I don't know whether I've gave it too much water or not enough or... Yes, yeah, so have you grown tomatoes there before, Steve? No, never. You haven't. No. And you've grown tomatoes before, though, haven't oh. you? Because you sound like you're an experienced... 50 years. 50 years. Well, <laughs> you'd know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you'd be overwatering, not in the kind of temperatures we've been having, Steve, but oh, the bad answer is I think you might have blight. Light. Yeah, now uh, you're at Morpeth, so the closest uh, place to get great horticultural advice would be from Heritage Gardens. Yes, uh, go down know. and see Bob Dunn, take one of those tomatoes in. I'm sure Bob will be able to tell you straight away. And, of course, I can't see it over the phone today. That's okay. Uh, before you pull them all out, Steve, take one down, show Bob. But I'm sorry, I think you might have blight. Thank you very much. Can I ask you one more question? Yes, certainly. My zucchinis, uh, they were growing really, really well, nice and thin. Now, all of a sudden, they're going fat as if they're growing like soccer balls. <laughs> and, uh, I had someone the other day with a broader white one in, <laughs> which absolutely <laughs> amazed me. So yours are now growing like soccer balls, are they? Yeah, yeah. And you haven't done anything different to no. them? Nothing at all, no. You haven't been pumping them up with some nitrogen or something, no. no. Uh, look, you know, sometimes, look, 
plants are living creatures, aren't they? Uh, as I always say to my customers, they're not designer objects that you buy at Domain. Unfortunately, they have their own uh, pattern of living and growing like we people do. So I would say it's just that the plant's decided it wants to do something different, Steve. <laughs> Maybe there's someone out there listening that might have an answer for a soccer ball zucchini. <laughs> It's, Thank you very much. Thank you. Sounds like a particularly um, quirky piece of uh, vegetable and uh, something that's worth <laughs> cultivating. Now, lavenders are our next topic. Ross from Wall's End. Hi, Ross. Lavender trouble. I'm well, thank you. That's good. I've got a bit of a problem. I've got a lavender bush. It's a bit over a metre high and probably uh, over a metre across. And the last couple of weeks, it's all seemed to be dying off. Should I be pruning that or...? Uh, Ross, has that just finished flowering? Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, you always prune lavenders when they finish flowering and you never go back to hard wood. You understand what I mean by that, don't you? Your stem yeah, becomes yeah. woody looking. Uh, you always right. lightly prune lavenders and you do it more often than not. So a lot of people leave their lavenders and then suddenly start to hack into them and they don't like that at all. So oh, I would right, suggest okay. probably for you at the moment, I'd be giving it a prune without going into that wood and I'd use some flourish on it to stimulate some new growth. Yeah, what could I use for that? Oh, flourish. That's the name of the product. You put it in water and you put it on every week of its oh, life. Right, okay. And uh, right, okay. it's some... Um, yep. The plant will absolutely reward you if you do that every week. Oh, great. Okay, then. But I'm pretty sure it's not dying. I'd say it's just letting you know it's pruning time, Ross. No, I've still got a bit of lavender on the bush, but 90% of it's just all brown now. Yeah, well, you need to cut that brown off. Right, okay. Okay, just in case that's a fungal disease moving through it. Well, this is Gardening Talkback, and we're taking your calls. Margaret has rung in from Cardiff. Hello there. What could um, I help you with, dear? Um, I've got apple cucumber plants, about six of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they get plenty of flowers on. They grow to about as big as your little fingernail, and that nothing else is happening. Right. Okay, Margaret. Now, can you tell me, have you fertilised well? Did you prepare yes. your bed with cow manure or something? Yes, I've fertilised. I've given them water every day. Right, okay. And what about something like Flourish to give them a bit of boost that has sulfate of potash? I haven't used any Flourish. I just wondered if it may be there was a lack of bees around to pollinate. Do they need to be pollinated? Oh, yes, they need to be cross-pollinated, yes, of course. But um, you might also need some sulfate of potash to hold mm-hmm. the flower on, you see. This happens a lot with mangoes in Newcastle. Uh, they flower and then they never come to fruit because the wind blows it off. That was the other thing I was going to say, Margaret. If we get um, an unsettled spring, now I think we'd all agree we've had that this year. We're only just in summer today and we've already had summer. And I find that passion fruit and tomatoes and a lot of our cropping fruit at this time of year when we have an unsettled spring they don't behave as they should dear so, <clears throat> pardon me the same thing's happening with the passion fruit uh-huh. i thought i was getting plenty of passion fruits and then i go and they're look and off. flowers have all gone yeah look that can just be the winds we've had through boy we've had plenty of that happening in the last week or so but i would definitely either buy some sulfate of potash or some flourish 
Okay. Uh, and that will help hold the fruit on all those things you're trying to get uh, rewards from, darling. So, well, um, the little uh, there is like little fruit on it. On yes, the, um, but they apple. don't they don't um, they don't come to fruition. Um, no, and they go yellow and sort yep, of drop no, off. They need some extra help, dear. All right. Okay. okay thank extra you, help to the rescue for Margaret and Jenny. You've rung in from Holmesville. Yes. Hello, Jenny. Is there a problem there I could help you with? Yeah, not actually a problem. I had a conversation with my daughter, which I thought I was never, ever going to have because she's got no interest in plants. <laughs> it's <laughs> happening, really Jenny. It's happening. It is happening. Yeah, she's got like a home and that now and the little girl and she's wanting to buy, uh, grow some lemons in some pots and something oh. I really haven't had much to do with. Oh, right. Okay. But, yeah, mine's been more like just gardens and that. I haven't really had much to do with fruit fruit. Okay. Look, lemons are very successful in pots. Mm. You do need to give them a decent size pot. Yeah. Uh, they like the full sun, of course. Yeah. Uh, you never give them citrus fertiliser in a pot. Oh, okay. You always have to give them a slow release. Yeah. You could use a Maya lemon or a Eureka lemon. Yeah, I've heard of Eureka. Yeah, well, Eureka's the coastal lemon, which does very well in Newcastle. And yep. also, that's the lemon you generally buy in the fruit shop. Yeah, uh, yeah. Meyer is a smaller growing lemon. And then, of course, you can get dwarf varieties of both of those. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Sometimes at this time of year, they're a little bit more difficult to get because, you know... Um, Citrus propagation is taking place now, and there's always mm. new stock around in January and February. Oh, right, yep, yep. But uh, either a Eureka or a Maya, mm-hmm. and you must use good potting mix, dear, nothing yeah, so cheap. That's, I was just wondering, is there a certain potting mix or just a good quality one? Yeah, a good quality one, and you can get a citrus um, potting mix, oh, but okay. a good quality one will do the trick, and I'll tell you, if it's anything under $10, it's not a good quality. Okay. Potting mix is the one thing Price tells the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if they're cheaper, they don't have all the fertilisers and water retention agents in them. They don't? No, they don't, darling. So uh, if you oh, want right, to grow things you. in yep, pots yep. and be successful, then you you definitely get a good potting mix. Otherwise, why spend all that money on a plant when you think yes, about exactly it? exactly right. Yep. Yep, How's yep. that, Jenny? Thank you. I just wanted to say I grew up in Wilton Street around the corner oh, from your nursery. Oh, did you, dear? Yeah, so I would know you? Uh, well, I haven't been there for years. I live out of Honesaw now. I've been out here nearly 40 years, but I grew up in Wilton Street, and I used to go around to the original people that owned Sharps, and I used to help him in the in the nursery as a little girl. Oh, did you? That was Roy and Norm Atkins. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, they've both passed away now. They're not yeah. with us any longer, but uh, 50 years they were there, and yeah. uh, they set a precedent for me to follow, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to go around there and go around and he let me help in the garden and do the little um, seedlings and And they grew all the seedlings in boxes, didn't they then? Yes, they did. Yeah, it certainly changed the nurseries to them days to what you do now. Oh, that's for sure. Time does move on, doesn't it, unfortunately. And I can tell you Wilton Street's moved on too. A lot of villas. It has. Yes, it has, dear. Certainly changed. Well, that's great, isn't it? Thanks for your call, Jenny, and and it's really good to hear those memories. We've just got time for one more quick call, and, oh, it is Karen from San Remo. Hi, Karen. How are you? San Remo's (laughs) down on the central coast, dear, isn't it? That, that's correct, yes. Right, yes. okay. I, I, 
I've had, we've been growing some corn and we've had an influx of lady beetles, uh, ladybugs, you know, the little tiny yes, ladybugs. Yes, and my husband sprayed them with um, some pyrethrin and they're going, the corn plant is actually going brown now. He sprayed the correct dosage, so was that the correct thing to do? Uh, Karen, look, even pyrethrum spray, it has... How can I say it? Like a base. You know, when you take a tablet, uh, it's it's mixed up with something. And sometimes that base can cause damage, even though you've used pyrethrum, which is wise. It's organic. The other thing is, at the moment, you would only be spraying late in the afternoon because if you spray in the heat, particularly if it's above 30 degrees, you will get burning happening, even with pyrethrum. So I wonder if that was the case, if he sprayed on a hot day, dear. It could possibly be, but we're running out of time. We, oh, no, we? we're not, Jane. I hope that helps you, Karen. Thank, Thank you. you for ringing, darling. It's lovely to have all your questions, and we do have one caller that we're giving away a wonderful poinsettia to. Okay, who do you think, Jane? Oh, I think it's totally up to you, Judy. Okay, I think it should be Mary, because she's got hydrangeas the size of dinner plates, and when she comes down to collect that poinsettia, Mary, please bring one hydrangea flower the size of dinner plate for me to see. That sounds like a very good option. Thank you so much, Judy Sharp. Thank you, Jane. What fun working with you. It has been fun. And Gardening Talkback will be back, either with or without, you and me, (laughs) next Monday after the Midday News on 2NURFM.